everyone. Welcome to She Knows Arsenal. My name is Jessica and I'm your host and you can follow me on Twitter at itchdesino. We're talking about the Super League again because that's all we pretty much get to talk about for the next couple of days until things maybe calm down. So there have been some, you know, developments on, you know, the fans reactions, the club's reactions and, um, you know, what's going to be coming in the next couple of days because we are going to be playing in the Premier League um, on Friday. So, you know, somebody's going to have to kind of talk about this. I don't imagine that, you know, the managers are going to be able to uh, kind of skirt some of the questions around the Super League. And, you know, we're seeing that even like clubs like West Ham are coming out condemning the league. So there's going to be a lot of, you know, news and reaction coming out in the next couple of days regarding the Super League. And um, I actually have the perfect guest for this today. Um, it's a general update. So this is somebody who's in and around everything, knows the scoop, knows what's going on, keyed in on everything. And that's James Bench. So I'm going to go ahead and bring him in. Hey, James. Hi. Thanks for the introduction. Very generous. <laughs> well, I always retweet your stuff because it's. I'm like, okay, he's probably legit, right? He has a little check mark next to his name. That's that's pretty much all we look for, right? For legitimacy, the little check mark next to their name. Exactly. <laughs> But um, yeah, what are your general feelings about, you know, the Super League just from, you know, a supporter or fans perspective? Oh, I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm just tired. Um, I was supposed to be off work starting on Sunday. That hasn't happened. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, if I, I mean, I, when I saw that statement drop um, and obviously spent most of Sunday waiting for it, um, you know, you can't help but experience this as a supporter. I don't kind of hide the fact that, you know, I've followed Arsenal my whole life. Uh, and I think as a supporter, it felt a bit like we cheated. Um, like, you know, uh, the owner who has, I, I, you know, I, I for me, I, as, as you know, I have always tried in my reporting to, to give you both sides, to kind of reflect what the fans view might be and also to, to, to tell you what the club think. And I've kind of tried to do that with Stan Kroenke in particular. And my view on Kroenke has always been, he's not a great owner, but I, I never thought he was, at, you know, he was just indifferent. He just w wasn't always there enough. Um, but actually he wasn't indifferent though, was he? He was it's quite cynical. Mm -hmm. um, and there is a real sense of cynicism in, in Arsenal in particular. And I guess we mostly want to talk about Arsenal on this pod in them pulling up the drawbridge because Let's be honest, if you waited 10 years for this, Arsenal wouldn't be in the Super League. I mean, you know, it, this is a badly run club that has been handed an almighty opportunity to save itself from itself by the debt levels of Juventus, Real Madrid and, and Barcelona. You know, they are, JP Morgan is bailing out the, uh, the top teams in Europe and they're doing it because Arsenal and, and clubs like that have popped along for the ride. It's, it's deeply embarrassing. I see a lot of their arguments and I do I would like to see, I would like to see the best teams playing more often um across Europe I don't think Arsenal are one of the best teams in Europe right now but I would like to see more of that what I don't want to see is I don't want to see a closed shop it's not good for football it's not good for the clubs I don't really believe this is going to allow us to see a better a better product because what's the what's the motivation to improve to get better you know how dreadful is Next, it could be next season. We still don't really know. You know, the clubs are proceeding and aiming to get this off the ground as quickly as possible. How dreadful could next season be if Arsenal have a, the same sort of squad um, and nothing to play for in the Premier League after eight, eight weeks because they're out of the title race? Um, yeah, 
it is, and then it's just been quite a dispiriting rush of trying to find out what's really going on. Um, I suppose, you know, Arsenal's view on this is, you know, the things they would want me to tell you and your viewers are, and I don't particularly agree with these, but that, you know, they will put be putting more money into the game in solidarity payments. Those solidarity payments will now be, I think it's 8% of the league. You know, this is about being financially responsible but it's about being financially responsible by, you know, recreating the environment of the NFL or the NBA or something like that. You know, there will be a salary cap. You know, Andrea Agnelli has talked about, and this isn't about the proposal, but he has talked about not transfer, no transfer fees going between the two, between the biggest clubs in Europe. Now, to me, that sounds like... So you know, we're essentially we're, talking about trades and and things like that. Cap. So we're going to start expecting draft systems. Like, we're... we're <laughs> I mean, Americanization of the sport, ultimately, like in every way, shape and form. Yeah. Even Yo-Yo was saying franchise mode, you know, and I was talking about that yesterday that, you know, being an American and being experiencing American sports front and center, you know, I see that once you become a franchise, once you're able to franchise a club, the the opportunities for them are kind of endless at that point. And it may not happen right away. But I can totally see, you know, these these big European matches being played in in Qatar and Dubai and and things like that. And, you know, it may not happen right away, but, you know, they may franchise a team like Everton or franchise a team like um, Aston Villa and move them somewhere else. And I know that that sounds like they can't move a club once you franchise it and you, you have the money, you can pretty much do whatever you want, which is super, super scary. And um you know, I think about the staff, you know, the players, um, the managers that probably didn't have a lot. They didn't have anything to do with it, but they ultimately didn't get a lot of briefing on this and probably felt a little blindsided about it. You know, um, what do you think their reaction is to this, you know, this announcement and being blindsided just like we were? Yeah, I think it's really hard. And I think you kind of have to have to separate the two. You know, this was this was agreed by uh, ownership um, and chief executive at that at that level. You know, Mikel Arteta was was telling the truth when he said he didn't really know much about it. Um, you know, it was it was kept away from the squad, in my understanding, until after. Well, he was kept away from Arteta until after the Fulham game. Um, I have not heard yet that the squad have even been told. I know for a fact they hadn't been told yesterday. Uh, or I mean, of course they've been. You know what I mean. Of course, they've been told because they've read the newspapers uh, or read Twitter. Mm. But th- there was no conversations between the uh, between Vinay and the executive, uh, you know, executive level and the players yesterday. Um, certainly, nothing that that left them feeling any clearer about about what this means for them. Because don't forget, you know, I'll keep saying this could the aim of the of Arsenal and every other club is that this starts next season. Um, I don't. I think they accept that it may well not that this will end up in the courts, but they want to push this through quickly because that's the only way it really the, the, the easiest you need it to get once it's a you know once it's happening everything changes and you know going back to how we're all feeling I think what's uh, I can only speak for myself but I'm sure this is the case for other fans I think the real fear is that when it starts happening of course we're gonna enjoy watching Arsenal play against big teams and of course we're gonna want to engage with that and I think that's also kind of a reminder that you know those fans that are in favor of this you know, we don't. We kind of don't disagree with the fundamental premise that you want to see the best teams and Arsenal playing together. 
It's just about the way in which it happens. But anyway, yes, sorry, answering your actual question. Um, staff that I've spoken to, um, surprise, of course, was the overriding reaction. Everyone has known that Arsenal have been working on, on things for a while. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I was told by by senior people at the club is, look, you know, we we felt that we have to be involved in these conversations. You know, you can't be on the outside of the tent. If this is going to happen, Arsenal feel like they have to be in it. Um, but a lot of surprise. Uh, it's a hard time for the for employees at this club. It has been really a draining year. Redundancies, COVID, um, obviously, you know how things are going on the pitch that affects things. So it's it's a hard atmosphere. You know, they only have to you know they only have to go into the replies on social media to see kind of how what the atmosphere around the club is and how fans are feeling. It, it has been tough and it's not their decision. We kind of need to remember where this is coming from. This has been led led by ownership and, yeah, all I can say is it's been a really trying time and I think uh, Arsenal are trying to, uh, you know, they're trying to explain to everyone except the players, it seems, why this um, decision is made and they're still a lot of them still feel like they're in the dark about what's happening. Yeah, I think this all kind of comes down to trust. You know, the first thing I thought about when this came out, I was like, just think about how bad the reaction was to the 55 redundancies. You might as well multiply that times a million, you know, um, the, the, there's a big gulf, you know, between the fans and the ownership. And I think there's a lot of, you know, distrust and feeling like things are happening behind the scenes that they're not privy to and that they may not like. And um, the Cronkies are just not a very open, you know, communicative group, you know, and that's just an American way of doing things. They don't feel like they need to pour into the community because they don't view it as a community. They view it literally as a business. Mm. And I'm looking at, you know, I'm on Twitter and I'm seeing some of the supporters groups are getting together and starting to mobilize, you know, and make their feelings heard. Um, Arsenal Supporters Trust is, is obviously very vocal about how they feel. And, you know, I've seen some other groups kind of getting their things together. Do you think they're going to have an opportunity to really voice their opinion to the people that matter, you know, maybe at the, you know, meeting or the forum on Thursday? So, I mean, the forum is going to be a really important moment to get that message across. Um, and obviously, you know, there are an awful lot of people there that I think Arsenal fans from the fan side that Arsenal fans can trust to really get the the message across. You know, who's listening? I don't know who will be attending for, for the executive. Obviously, this was a meeting that was due to take place. I believe it was last week or the week before, earlier this month, um, and was cancelled. Uh, somewhat mysterious circumstances that I think we now suspect were to do with the Super League. Um, you know, the, the value of the fans forum is not always immediately apparent. It is a good way for the executive to speak directly to fans in, in a way that obviously they can't um, normally. Having said that, I'm sure Vinay will be in attendance. Uh, even he um, cannot quite you know, give the answers that, that Arsenal fans want and give the assurances that Arsenal fans want. I know that Josh Kroenke has attended these before. I don't know if he will dial in uh, from from the US, I, I don't think Stan has ever attended one of these. Certainly not in the time I've been covering the club. Um, obviously, Josh is really the the influential figure at Arsenal um, and has been for a number of years. If he's not there, 
it's very hard to to really have a, a constructive dialogue. Um, ultimately, you know, Vinay Benkatsham's job as chief executive is to work in the best interest of the owners, and that is the the, the Cronkies. And I think they, you know, the silence has been deafening. I've been I've been I've been chasing. This is the the one thing that you know, be it media, be it speaking to the media, speaking to the fans. It's just what I really want. Um, you know, the club have spoken to journalists. I think it's fair to say off the record. I hope I'm not going to get in too much trouble for saying that, but I think that's fine. Um, but it's, you know, it's very different to put your side of the story across in an unattributable way. Mm. Uh, and for us to have, you know, those conversations as opposed to uh, ideally the Cronkies, at the very least, Vinay sitting down uh, and I, I think having a conversation that doesn't fly under the radar. That's the other issue with the fans forum is, you know, it's a minuted meeting. It will kind of come out in, uh, it will come out in a few weeks, sometimes a few days. Uh, you'll, you'll see the minutes, but it's not, it's not something that your average fan can feel involved in. And I know that's the same of, you know, if Josh Cronkey agrees to do an interview or a, a panel with the media, that it won't be something that fans can be engaged in. And the problem is you can't fix that. It was, you know, I, I had this experience in Thomas Tuchel's press conference yesterday where he kept saying, you need to trust the club. You need to trust, you know, this is, you've got to trust that they've made the right decision for the club. But you think, well, the, but the club haven't trusted me enough as a, you know, or a fan enough to, to have the conversation with them and say, you know, everyone knows that everyone knows that these clubs have been planning to do, do something for years. So you, it is not wrong to have a conversation beforehand and to say what you know what does any new European competition need what what should we be changing within or without UEFA so I, I hope the fan forum um, will be valuable I'm pretty confident it will be more valuable than Mikel Arteta's press conference which is earlier on Thursday and um, I suspect he just won't feel able to answer any questions on it though he will be asked um, but you know I think until it, 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 this needs to be really open and visible and public not you know 20 fan representatives as good as they are as as important the as they will ask they will ask the right questions i know these guys they will but it it there's thousands millions of arsenal fans that have an opinion that needs to be heard and arsenal need to come up with channels to to do all that not just you know run a quote from i mean i don't know about you obviously you're an arsenal fan as well that i thought one of the, the harsh hardest things was going on your website, your club website, and seeing not just Agnelli and Florentino Perez, but I thought in particular, running quotes from Joel Glazer, one of the owners of Manchester United. You know, yeah. you're an Arsenal fan. We just, yeah. Edu- you can't even write your own things. Like, it didn't feel... Um, like, it felt... <laughs> it felt like... Almost like a hit and run type of thing in the middle of the night. Like right. it was uh, later in the day when that when that came out. It was later in the day for me, so I know it had to be later for you guys. And it was just like, here we're gonna put this out here and just see what happens and go dark, you know, because they they went dark all of yesterday. They didn't really tweet or say anything. Mm-hmm. And um, I think in any relationship, which for most fans that you know that really support the club, they they're in a relationship with this club. Yeah, and. Um, you know, doing something like this without communicating, you know, or just being more open about it, even if you're not really looking for feedback, but just letting us know what's happening step by step. It feels like even if you're not doing something wrong, 
that you are doing something wrong. It feels like it was sneaky and deceitful in a way, you know, it just, they weren't open and that's just the way it feels, you know? So I think we feel like there's no trust there, you know, but seeing kind of, you know, what happened to, you know, at, well, I think it was at Ellen road yesterday that, um, I think the buses, you know, mm. the Liverpool buses were, you know, I don't want to call them vandalized, but you know, the Leeds fans made their, their, um, their voices heard. And, um, you know, there's fans that are actively trying to get their, their feelings out in a way that probably the, the clubs don't want. And I can see riots and protesting getting worse and worse and worse as, more news of this comes out and fans start to to get angry. Do you foresee that being an issue maybe at the end of the season when they're thinking about having fans coming back to the stadiums? You know, that's yes. something I think about. I think even even before then, you know, we have seen the and sometimes we've been guilty of laughing at the protest marches. I think in, in, in many ways that one of the tough things for Arsenal is they have the perfect symbolic protest march route with Highbury being just around the corner. And I remember them doing that for, um, when they were trying to sack the manager. Um, I have, I, I would be very surprised if we don't see something like that, even before fans are allowed back. But yeah, what a powerful image it would be, for instance, if the four, uh, 10,000, I think it would be, who could be at the Emirates, if they all left. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm not one to tell people that are paid money to be at a football match, how they should, um, you know, how they should react when they're there. But I mean, it has to be. It, it is no coincidence, you know. One of the things that, again, hammered hammered out in messaging from Arsenal is that the COVID pandemic has forced this upon us. But also the COVID pandemic is the... is the per And they, they don't... Let's not pretend they don't think like this. It's the perfect time to avoid the really visible protests in Stadia. You know, I remember in when Liverpool fans left Anfield because of season ticket price rises. I have no doubt they would do the same again, not not for a moment. And that you know things like that will happen. Um, it is a challenge, isn't it? That that there are only possibly two games where it could happen. Um, I think one of the really valuable things about the Leeds game was showing that actually the players are are united in being against this as well. And I think. It's interesting, even you know, just before we came on, seeing Marcus Rashford, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more. Seeing him seemingly come out against it, you know, the players will talk to each other, and you know, they will talk to players outside of their club, their own club, and form opinions that may not be what their owners want to hear. And I mean, it, it will be hard. The owners can, you know, sort of force this through. They don't need the players on side, but. It becomes a hell of a lot harder to force this through if your if your your players aren't backing you. And I don't know what will I don't I don't think it will get to riots. This is England. It takes an awful awful lot to make us riot, and it'll probably rain anyway. So that will really quell the the spirit, and you won't be able to get fire started. But um, I think particularly as you see social distancing regulations ease, as it be, and people become a little bit more comfortable gathering in public together in those final weeks of the season, you will absolutely see marches at the Emirates, marches at, at Spurs, marches at Chelsea. And I think it's to be to be expected. It's only And it's only the right thing that, that, that fans try to get their voice across in whatever way they can. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that the, the worst part for me is that 
the people that are going to have to answer to this that probably don't have the answers that people want are the managers and the players. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you had kind of earlier, you know, talked about how we probably won't get a lot from Arteta in his press conference on Thursday. Um, we've heard Tuchel kind of talk. He said, you know, kind of ease off, you know, think about, you know, the, the club is probably doing what they think is best kind of trust the club Klopp kind of attacked <laughs> uh, Neville and had his, his own way of, I guess, addressing the issue. Um, but ultimately was saying that, remember, it's not us, you know, it's not us that are making these decisions. And then Pep comes out this morning and pretty much says that this, it's not competition if um, losing doesn't mean anything. And um, I know there was a little bit of like, well, pff, your man city, like you can, you can afford to be in or out of this, but ultimately I think he said the right thing. And that's what bands want. They want to feel like there's somebody in and around the club that believes what they believe. And um, even though I, I know we won't get a lot from Arteta, what do you think is the bare minimum that Arteta needs to convey to fans, you know, to make them feel comfortable? Cause I'm sure that he's going to feel a little bit of pressure to, at least say something. I don't think he can go without saying anything. Yeah, I think the fans need to know that their voice is at least being heard and that it might have an impact. And, you know, Mikel Arteta can say, look, I can't make the decisions, but I can listen. And he can be a conduit. You know, he is a hugely influential figure in this club, far beyond someone like Tuchel, for instance. Mm -hmm. he, he, he His voice carries a lot of weight around Arsenal. You know, he... He's, you know, if he wants to, he can go straight to Vinay. He can't, might not, I mean, he and he has said before he can pick up the phone straight to Stan and Josh. You know, that I think Arsenal fans need to know that the club is is listening. That it, you know, even if it's saying, look, you know, we we are going down this road. We've signed a contract. Uh, you know, there's not much that can be changed here. You know, that their concerns are being taken on board. Um, that they will do. You know, I, I know there's a lot of talk now as well, isn't there about well, we'll add in some form of second division and relegation. I, d I don't know if a lot of this can, I don't know if a lot of this can rebuild bridges. My experience of Mikel Arteta is that he will say probably less than you expect. Mm. You know, so I think he started out as a manager quite open and quite uh, egregious. There are certainly times when talking to him and trying to get a straight answer from him can feel like getting blood out of a stone. you <laughs> I'll give you an example. Um, you remember the David Luiz uh, when he missed the Liverpool game? Uh, mm -hmm. And obviously, um, if you go back to the press conference footage, you'll kind of know that I was pretty much aware that he was going for surgery um, mm -hmm. the following day. But I, I just wanted to be clear. And I thought, I'm going to ask him. Mm -hmm. And he says, uh, it's one of the options we're looking at. We're considering whether, you know, very non-committal answer. Um, and then I wake up the next morning to be told he's gone for surgery. <laughs> yeah. Kind of think, right. So, uh, what time between ten o'clock on Saturday night and eight a.m. on Sunday morning did you all sit down and really mull through the? He, you know, he is not someone that that likes giving much away in press conferences. So mm -hmm. I would prepare to be disappointed by what he has to say. I really hope he proves me wrong because I've got a lot of respect for the guy. I think he's a very good um, leader and spokesperson. Arsenal and the values that they've trashed this week. Um, I'd love him to prove me wrong. By God, I'd love it if it was Arsene Wenger uh, explaining these things, because I feel like I might get a straight answer. But um, 
I would prepare. I would prepare to be disappointed by Arteta. It, it's just not in his nature. He's a rookie head coach. He's never, you know, he talks about all the things he's had to deal with. And God, you know, for eighteen months or whatever in a job, my God, he's had a lot of weird things that no one, no one else can advise him on. But yeah. um, and he's one of those. Um, you know, I when I look at him and I, I just think, you know, um, he he wants to be the shield to you know keep people from being able to see what's really going on. I think he's kind of willing to take the bullets sometimes. Um, you know, even saying that going back to like the summertime or may have not, it may have been right before just saying that he has the full backing of the Cronkies and all that kind of stuff. So I don't anticipate there being, you know, this stand against the club or anything like that. I expect him to be, you know, give whatever trained answer that he kind of has. But I think at the very least, he needs to let the fans know that they, that, that the club cares about the fans. Cause I think that's ultimately they don't feel as mm. though they matter. And that's a problem, you know, regardless if you're making changes, you still should make it known that you at least care about the fans, you know, and you hear them and, you know, that kind of thing. But um, the players, you know, um, I think a lot of fans were kind of waiting to see if the the players would stand up against this super league, especially the 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 players that are actually in, would be involved in it. You know, there's obviously been like you know, Andrew Herrera has said something about yeah. it. DJ Lover and Ozil, they're not really involved in it. But then you kind of see, you know, Milner says something. You know, um, Marcus Rashford kind of alludes to not being too keen on the idea mm. and um you know it came out this morning that jordan henderson is going is called a emergency meeting for the the captains to come together and in response to the super league how unfair is it for the players to be kind of like the low-hanging fruit here you know the the people that were looking to to make a stand against something that they didn't really know much about it has to be stressful for these players to feel like they have to respond. It's really hard. It's not the job that they do that, you know, they, they, they would say, you know, it's my job to come in and train and play my best at the weekend. And I'll do that in whatever competition. And there, you know, part of them will also think, well, it would be great for my career. You know, that, that it's not up to them to think about the, sport politics or however you want to term it I, I was talking to one player's agent at Arsenal and it was like well wait a minute this is going to be really good for your client because they're actually going to get to play good teams at last um it would be really interesting I think from an Arsenal perspective I, I, we know that there are certain players within this league that feel comfortable with that burden that relish that burden of course Marcus Rashford of course Henderson and Milner um one of the interesting things, I don't know how many of those characters there are at Arsenal. The one I would say is, and I've not spoken to anyone near him, but I'd be really interested to see what Hector Bellerin has to say about this. Someone that also considers these things really carefully, that took a very strong, firm stance over the pay cut. Um, obviously was willing to, you know, kind of burn a few bridges with Raul Sanye uh, over that and, and talk his mind and, and speak up for the dressing room. He is the sort of player that I, I, I can imagine would be able to tap into Arsenal's values. I know that it, the problem is that you kind of talk about Hector Bellerin, the man, and people immediately throw Hector Bellerin, the struggling right back at you. And that's not really relevant to this. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a decent chance that wherever he goes, he may well play um, 
Super League football anyway. But he's someone that I think he's someone that you know. There are some footballers that just understand the values and of the club that they represent. They you know they know you know what as David Rocastle said. You know you, you, they know what who they are and what they represent um, because they they're the people that can can make this really uncomfortable for the owners. Um, the last thing an elderly white man like the Glazers or Stan Kroenke wants to do is be seen to sort of be instructing the young workers, um, young, you know, a young diverse group of workers on what they must do um, to earn a living. And I think that could really change things. It's hard. I don't, you know, I don't want to, te- I don't want, you know, Pakayo Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe, these the guys are kids. And there's a lot of young people in this Arsenal squad who, who would who wouldn't really be kind of well placed to discuss this? Um, it's a, as you as you said, Jess. It's a huge burden to put on these players. They're not, and it's going to be a huge burden on the pitch where they will be kind of hit harder. They will be the representatives of the six, and they always will. I think this is the one thing that, that we have to remember. Even if this all falls apart, Arsenal will still have done this. Football clubs, it will take a really long time. If, if this was to never happen, it's not only were Super League to never happen, but it was all to be abandoned. If we were to go back to the Champions League that we had, if we were to go back to the European Cup, Arsenal and the other five teams would still be the ones that tried to ruin it. It will take can't a really go back. long Yeah, you can't put this, this genie doesn't go back in the bottle. You can't forgive, English football can't forgive what's happened, you know, what these six clubs have done. And I do feel really sorry for the players that they've... Uh, they've been thrown into this. Yeah, I agree with that. And I just think, you know, if I could say anything to, you know, the fans that are kind of watching, you know, everybody that's watching the stream and that will watch later, don't take this out on the players. They, this is not their battle, you know, and they're probably sitting there just as confused as we are, you know, so take they are. consideration. I know, I know <laughs> yeah. several players that are like, what is, what the fuck is going on? How is this, what am I supposed to do about this? No one's telling them. 100%, you know, and I just, I wonder, where do we go from here? You know, we play Everton, and we were kind of talking about this backstage a little bit, like, we play Everton on Friday, but, like, does that matter? Like, you know, I, I, there's a, there's kind of, like, this, this sentiment amongst fans, like, what does it matter anymore? You know, obviously, we're not going to be kicked out of the Europa League. I never really thought that that was going to go through, you know, this whole rumor about the teams that are still involved in the UEFA competitions, the the European competitions that are a part of the Super League would not be able to finish their competitions. I didn't never thought that that would go through, you know, but we're still in the Europa League. We're still, you know, in the Premier League. And it just kind of feels ominous, you know, in a way, like, what does it really matter? And I wonder where we go from here. But there's about 67 of you guys watching right now. Make sure that you like the video and subscribe to the channel. And um, if you guys want to send in a couple of questions, I'll have James kind of answer them. We have uh, maybe 15 more minutes or so. But um, yeah, I mean, I just wonder where we go from here, you know, because like you said, even if we go back and nothing really happens, the trust, I think, is just broken. I don't think mm. it'll ever come back, you know. And like you, you spoke about, like even with the players, the, the pay cut, you know, um, that was a little off color. You know, it didn't really, it seemed like the owners were like, we'll just take it away from the players. And it was just like this weird decision, 55 redundancies. So I think all around, you know, between staff, players, fans, everybody's looking at KSC like, I don't trust these guys, you know, and I don't really blame them for that. 
you know, at all. I feel, oh, yeah, I mean, I feel really let down by this club. Um, oh. You know, I can I can talk about this from a reporter's standpoint, um, and it's been really hard the last couple of years. Um, but I think, in no small part, I think, you know, you, you you kind of and you know, we, I always have joked. It's like sort of seeing how the sausage is made. If you're a massive fan of sausages. It's not a pleasant, it's never been a pleasant experience, but I think the past few years with Arsenal have been very dispiriting. And I think it's really reflect, you know, you go back on things from before the pandemic and you think, do they, do they really know what, what matters to fans deep down? You know, the whole, when I spoke to Josh Cronkey two years ago and it was all really, you know, the promises were really about we're going to buy you players, we're going to buy you fancy new things, and you know, making people redundant. And I, I remember, I still remember reading that statement. I was outside the Emirates. Um, I've been filming something. I was oh, I, I was I was just after the FA, FA Cup final. I was back to interview Martin Keogh, Um, and I was outside the Emirates, and I read the statement. You and you might remember it did not start with we are making staff redundant. So I read it and kind of was going quite a way through it and was thinking, are they about to announce that they're sort of like, we're not signing any players this summer? You know, well, we will be operating with zero budget or we will be selling players so that we can keep doing what Arsenal should be doing. And it really hit hit me like a gut. And I know other people disagree with me. And I know that there is an argument that you have to invest in your infrastructure, in your squad. You have to make the right decisions for Arsenal's long-term financial health. And the right decision, if there is a Euro- European Super League, is to go in it. Because they're about to get a check for 350 million euros. You can't, you can't turn that down. But it hurts. It hurts that people were made redundant and that, it, that there was, the transfer budget didn't take a hit. You know, that, that Gabriel, that William was given 100,000 a week. It's really dispiriting. Uh, the, this club is letting down its supporters. It is badly managed and has been. And I, that is not me saying that the, these people do not want the best for Arsenal. They really do. And the other thing is, I was starting this since Christmas. I've started to believe that at the very least, the next few years under Mikel Arteta were going to be fun, that there was going to be movement in the right direction, that maybe next season there would be a really exciting race for the Champions League and that we might scrape in. But either way, that we would see this progress and that there would be something to look forward to. And I feel like that's really the thing that, that has been taken away is we've cheated. Arsenal have cheated their way into where they belong. You know, I think they're one of the... We definitely bought our way in. That's essentially what it is, is we had enough money and we had enough of a brandability, you know, and a big enough worldwide fan base. You know, um, Perez said yesterday that the the original, you know, founders of this were chosen based on... um, you know, how many viewers, the viewership of their games, which essentially just adds up to how big is your global brand. Mm. And so when people are like, how on earth does Arsenal qualify for a super Europa or European competition? I'm like, it's simple. It's because we have one of the biggest worldwide brands. We have the type of stadium that you need for this type of this thing to go down. It's the same thing about Spurs. I mean, they've won virtually nothing, but they did the right things in the last couple of years to make sure that they got the invitation, which was up, you know, improve their brand, 
make mm. sure that they have a couple of world-class players that people would want to see and get a state-of-the-art stadium. That's all it really took to get invited and then have the money as well to buy in, you know? So I think that's the difference is that they, they are worried about Arsenal. They want the best for Arsenal, but it's Arsenal, the business, you know, and mm. there's a big difference between Arsenal, the business and Arsenal, the club that we love, you know, what's required to make that as good as possible is different because the business side of it is not really what the fans care about. They don't care about facts and figures and, you know, brand ability, sponsorships. They don't care about that. They care about what's going on on the pitch. And when you go to an Americanized version of sport, it, it evolves from sport to entertainment. And that actually has nothing to do with what's going on on the field. It's everything outside of that. And that's the disconnect for me, you know, really. But I, I love everything about, you know, I, mean, I was I was joking and I, I put it in a tweet as well. I love everything about the American system in America. I love that, you know, I'm in New York. The only team that kind of, they don't come close, but the only team that I kind of, that I really love the new, outside of Arsenal, the New York Knicks, I love it that they're doing well. And I mean, I, and I get, much like Arsenal, you know, you kind of have to, Put a few iffy things that happen away from the court out of your head. But it, it is a great experience. There's something, you know, fantastically perverse at the end of a bad season going, God, I hope we lose tonight so that we can tank for um, to get not the Marjorie Barrett. <laughs> yeah. If only we got, you think, oh God, if only we got the second pick and we hadn't ended up with RJ Barrett. But I don't want, you know, I like that because it's something different. And I don't particularly think that, you know, it's tough. Everyone will watch this sport. It will be huge. We will all be, you know, everyone who exists in media and content, we will all be dragged into this. You know, if my company happens to get the rights um, for the Super League, watch the about turn I have to do, um, Mm -hmm. you know, through gritted teeth. But it just, it it won't be the same. It, It will be, you know, Arsenal right now and other clubs, but it, for me, the one that matters is Arsenal. It's like the picture of Dorian Gray. It will be in the Super League. It will look wonderful. You know, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang will be coming off the bench because we went and got Erling Haaland because he needs to play in the Super League. Jaden Sancho flying down the wing. Rotational minutes with Bakayo Saka will be going, God, you know, we've only we've got Fulham in the Premier League at the weekend. We'll put out the B team and smash them 6-0. But at the heart, it will be that, you know, you'll you'll go up into the attic at Highbury House and you'll see a Dorian Gray-style image of Mikel Arteta. I, mean, I presume Mikel Arteta will be the Dorian Gray in this. He, he does already look a bit too handsome for a man his age. Mm. So in 20 years' time, as we're racing to our third Super League title, you'll go up into the attic of Highbury House and see this mangled vision of of what we of Mikel Arteta, the real Mikel Arteta. And we've just we've sold us Arsenal have sold their soul for mm. for these shiny baubles. It's such a shame. It, you know the other thing? Arsenal might never win the European Cup now. I think I don't think, you know, other clubs can't if you've won the European Cup, you don't know how hard it is to be the third biggest club in the biggest league in the world and not have won the European Cup. It's almost Arsenal's defining trait across the continent is they're probably the biggest team to have never won the European Cup. Imagine that that's it. That's going to be it. That could be it forever now. 
Arsenal will always have been the biggest team to have never won the European Cup. That's such a sad, sad way for this period of our of our history to end. I agree. I agree. Here's a question from George. Um, he asks, "What could a compromise look like?" And I've I've kind of always vocalized this that I think what what they've rolled out or what they propose to the right now is probably not what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, this is high stakes negotiation that's essentially playing out in front of the fans and, you know, um, as, as distressing as it may feel, whatever they come out with may not be what we think it is now. You know, do you have any idea of what a compromise between UEFA and these elite level clubs could look like? I mean, I can't, I can't report anything on that because I, the honest answer is I don't know. And right now, everything UEFA is saying is that we can't compromise. We can't do, give you what you want. Because what you know, what the clubs want is guaranteed access year in, year out. My gut would say that it may end up being um, more money that that is going to UEFA goes to the clubs, and it goes to the clubs through something like coefficient payments or you know the historic the, the heritage places that are currently due to go to, to Champions League clubs. But that in effect, if you're not Getting in the Champions League, you know, someone's slipping you some Champions League money out of the pot to say, sorry, but, you know, you're a big European club. Here's your big European club payment. Um, That's what the compromise would have to be. I think even that is going to be a hard sell for the teams that are on the precipice. You know, it's even harder that Juventus might be missing out on the Champions League, that a lot of these teams are struggling to to get into it. yeah, it will have to be a lot of the money that goes from UEFA going to the biggest clubs. Mm. I, oof. It just sounds so so ominous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dave asks, um, how many play, I think he's, he's, how many players do you think will leave these big six clubs if we go into the Super League? Do you think players will abandon the clubs because no. we're in the Super League? I think it actually will be the opposite, that players like, you know, a lot of Arsenal fans talk about Grealish. I think Grealish mm. automatically becomes available to us, you know, because of the Super League, because what is the chances of Aston Villa being a part of this, you know, um, if it were to come to fruition? Yeah, 100%. Arsenal's, the, the 15 teams will end up with, hyper squads you know it will be two world-class players for every position um that you know they will have the money they will have the acclaim feet the thing is fifa can't i don't believe fifa can stop these players from playing in the world cup because what is a world cup without all the best players in the world you know it's fifa's not going to vote for the olympics which is what they would (laughs) practically have you know the premier league can't really kick out its six biggest teams because NBC, Sky Sports, they're not paying for Burnley against Crystal Palace. So the, the players will gravitate there. I, I, the, the, the only thing that interests me is whether, that might make me think otherwise, is whether there, you find, you know, the intention is to put in a salary cap. The intention is to, you know, for more of this extra money, it will, it will go to the owners. It's not going to go to the players. Not, not, you know, the proportions will skew more towards ownership and profitability. So is whether you kind of find some clubs outside of the elite, outside of Europe, that are willing to pay a lot more, you know, that are saying, okay, you're only getting 2% of Arsenal's salary cap. Come out to Qatar, come out to uh, PSG um, and earn a lot more money 
that's it. Mm-hmm. But in the end, you know, you will want to play in the Super League because I, I completely agree with what Mesut Ozil tweeted, but when he was tweeting, you know, kids don't grow up dreaming of Super Leagues, of course, of course they don't because it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, kids will, you know, the, the best young players will want to be playing on the, the best platform, you know, from a footballing perspective. Arsenal are about to, you know, have a, have the strongest squad since the Invincibles. Oh. Probably. I mean, they're quite bad at recruitment. They could end up with all this case. They could still end up with quite a bad team. Yeah, exactly. And then there becomes another level of, um, you know, even though we'll probably will be better than the rest, you know, every other team that's a part of the Super League will have the same advantage that we do, you know, so I don't yeah. really see like oh my gosh we're gonna have all these amazing players and we're gonna be no everybody's well, Arsenal have- will but every yeah every other team will every team will have these brilliant squads exactly. and then it becomes it becomes about kind of every other one percent and all the marginal gains so I actually you know it's why we all joke about it but I think Arsenal would be really bad and I think they'd be consistently be near the bottom because they're just not invested in you know the scouting network the facilities to to be mm-hmm. to be that one percent better when everyone's players are basically the same exactly i think it's just going to come down to you know they want this league and once if and when we are in it and it comes to fruition the cronkies get to sit back and they're like this is guaranteed you know printing cash at this moment so if you if you take their american franchises as an example of what arsenal will be you can kind of see that we're not going to be pushing for any sort of titles. <laughs> no luxury tax. No spending <laughs> over the cap. Exactly. It's just going to be all vibes, you know, no trophies, all vibes, you know. But um, if we but... could get like the footballing equivalent of Nikola Jokic, <laughs> might all be worth it. Oh, my gosh. All right, you guys, we're going to end it there. I think that was sufficient. We We went through all of the updates and talked about it from a little bit of a different perspective you know we kind of know what the super league is but what is the effect of what is the, the what is the announcement of this going to do to the people involved staff players coaches that kind of thing we covered it james you were awesome thank you so much for being a part of this and um what do you have going going on you know this week i'm sure this is this is it for you right just covering this yeah i have no idea what i have going on um <laughs> i will yeah Wait to see what my boss has asked me to do on Wednesday. I've got not a clue. Awesome. And um, you guys, all of his information, if you don't follow him already, all of his information will be in the description box. And um, it's tagged in, in all of the tweets for this. And it's at James Bench. It's pretty easy, right? For your, your at on Very Twitter. Very easy. Yeah. yeah. My weird awesome. name. <laughs> you guys, um, I still see there's 67 of you guys watching. So make sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel. And um I will see you guys soon. I know I'm so bad at this about giving you guys what the next show is. Um, Because of the Super League, a lot of the content is changing. And um, a lot of people that I had coming coming up have more work to do, you know, so we'll have to maneuver the schedule and get things going. But obviously, you'll see me at some point tomorrow. And um, yeah, I'll see you guys then. Bye, guys.